0: Welcome to the Rancher's Voice, presented by the Montana Stocker Association. I'm Jay Bodner, MSGA's Executive Vice President.
1: And I'm Rayleigh Honeycutt, Director of Natural Resources. Join us for conversations surrounding policy, the legislature, and issues that matter most to ranching families in Montana.
0: Welcome to this week's episode. This week we hit the 45-day mark, or halfway point, of the session. We'll provide some updates on the bills that we heard this week and last week, and we also have a great interview with the new director of DNRC, Amanda Castor.
1: So make sure you subscribe to The Rancher's Voice, follow us on social, and make sure you are liking, sharing, and commenting on each episode. If you have questions for us, send those our way at kenny, K-E-N-I, at mtbeef.org.
0: So this week, I'd like to talk a little bit about transmittal. So transmittal is the halfway point, like we mentioned earlier in the episode, where all the bills need to be heard and transmitted from one chamber to the next. Now there are some leeways with bills that have revenue attached to them where they have a little bit of an extended deadline, but for the most part, all those bills have to be heard uh, by this last week. Um, It was pretty interesting, just the volume of bills that we heard this week. There were 398 bills in uh, five days of hearings, and many of them lasted long hours into the evening, but um, we survived, and I think it was all in all a pretty good week.
1: Definitely. So uh, we did get a question from one of our listeners that we wanted to uh, top off the podcast with, and that was in regards to for the, uh, to the email that you get when this podcast gets emailed out in our email blast. Um, and how we kind of note each of the bills. So I wanted to quickly go over that for each of you and just let you know what each of those status notations means. Uh, The first one is when it's noted as in first house committee. Uh, That means that the bill has been introduced and has either had its first reading, is scheduled to have have a hearing, or the hearing has already occurred. And then you will see the next step will be either in first house tabled or in first house out of committee if it's in first house tabled that means the hearing occurred and then the committee moved to executive action and uh, passed the bill to be or sorry and tabled the bill the second one in house out of committee means, again, the bill's been heard, the committee voted an executive action, and the bill was passed. That Once the bill's passed in committee, it moves to that chamber's floor for its second and third reading. And then once it's voted on there and passed, the next status notation would be transmitted to second house, which means if it was in the house, it would go to the Senate or vice versa. Once it's in the house, it does a similar um, path forward where it goes to the, uh, gets assigned to a committee within the committee, then it has its first hearing, uh, and then if it is out of, if it passes out of that committee in executive action, it would go to the floor of that second chamber. This is the condensed easy version, assuming that they're are amendments and changes throughout, but if the bill uh, passes committees, passes the floor, goes to the second chamber, goes to that committee, that floor and passes, then it's passed by the legislature and goes to the governor's office. And so that notation would say, pass legislator, legislature headed to the governor's desk, and then the governor signs it and it becomes a bill. So hopefully that clears, clears it up a little bit for those of you who, um, had questions on that. If you at any point have a question, feel free to email us and we will kind of help you track um, where it is within the process.
0: Yeah, and I think it just goes to show that it is a pretty lengthy process to get a bill passed and it gets pretty thorough review by both chambers and um, 150 legislators. So um, it is no easy task to get that all the way to the governor's desk and then have the governor sign it or veto it or amend it. So there are a lot of options out there.
1: And once an amendment gets thrown in, that can change things as well. So it's always uh, a wild ride as a bill kind of moves through both of those um, chambers.
0: So we'll start off with some of the ag bills uh, this last week. We did support House Bill 318. This clarified what the definition of a bison was. Um, it was uh, it has passed the house it's going to be in the Senate um, and it's scheduled for hearing next week so we'll see that come up once again um, in addition to that we had House bill 302 this required the county commission approval of to relocate bison in their county. Uh, This bill also, we did also support this bill. There were some amendments to this bill. Uh, It is out of committee and it will have its second and third readings on the House floor this week. We had Senate Bill 210. This was one bill that we did oppose. This dealt with the placarding of country of origin labeling. So this was similar to the bill that we had on the House side. Uh, This was just the Senate version. The committee did table this bill. We also had House Bill 336. This was an interstate cooperative meatpacking compact bill. Um, we did oppose this bill and, and, there was a lot of work that actually went into this bill to try to make it we wanted to make sure that we didn't put our state meat pro, um, program in jeopardy there were amendments that were put onto this uh, that actually pushed out the contingency date for it so when the bill would become effective and as that amendment passed then we no longer have any opposition to this bill so um, this bill is out of the committee it'll be on the second and third readings of the house floor this week Uh, We also had another meat compact or another meat packing bill, and it was Senate Bill 279. This was on our Senate side. Um, We also did oppose this. This one dealt with allowing custom exempt to ship across state lines. And this bill also did face um, an issue where it would have put our state program in jeopardy. Uh, This bill was tabled in committee. We had Senate Bill 270. This um, dealt with revising valuation of commodities on state lands. And really what the bill does, it uh, set a process for how the state would set prices for hay on state lands. So if you harvest any hay on state lands, how how the DNRC would go about that. Um, we did oppose it, not on the merit of the bill, but there were some technical amendments that needed to be put on the bill. So it made sure that All regions in Montana and the DNRC regions were covered when they set the hay prices, so that amendment got put on and with that we would take our opposition away from that bill. Um, That bill made it out of committee and it will be on second and third readings on the Senate floor this week also. We had a resolution, a Senate joint resolution 11. This dealt with product of the USA label. Um, we do have policy on our books that support this, so this um, is out of committee, and it was um, going to have its second and third readings on the Senate floor this week. So that was in Senate Ag. In House Egg, we did have House Bill 396. This um, clarified that you could feed hemp seed as a commercial feed to a variety of animals, including livestock and cattle. Um, we did support that bill. It has its, uh, it has passed its second reading on the floor and it will move to third reading. Um, we also did have House Bill 433. This was clarifying the position for brands, for brand re-recording. We did oppose this bill. This was in House Egg. Um. This basically put what The Department of Livestock has in policy into statute. The Board of Livestock also voted to oppose this bill. We want some flexibility for the board to make that changes and it's much more difficult when it's in statute versus in a policy or rule. And so we did oppose that. It has passed um, and it's on second reading on the floor and it will move to the third reading. We also had Senate Bill 307. Um, This dealt with uh, liability limits for irrigation operators. So uh, this was in Senate AG, and this provides for some additional protections for those irrigation facilities um, to reduce liability. And uh, this is a bill we did support. It's important as we see more urbanization of uh, these types of uh, properties and around irrigation sites, we wanted to make sure irrigation companies had uh, those liabilities set in, in place. So this bill is out of committee. It's we Will have its second and third readings on the Senate floor, and because this does revise the liability, um, it does need a two-thirds vote by the legislature. So once again, that's a pretty, um, pretty big lift. But we think that that's a, a good bill, and we we hope for uh, I hope our work we, we can get that accomplished.
1: In fish and wildlife, uh, there were a couple bills that we um, worked on. Uh, House bill. 352 was a revised law about conservation easements. And what that bill ultimately said was if you received any type of public funding as part of your conservation easement, you were mandated to allow public access um, to your property. We stood in opposition of that. And that uh, bill was tabled in committee, which um, is great. Uh, Many organization stood in opposition of that bill. So we're happy to see that bill being tabled. Uh, And then also Senate Bill 306. uh, This is to restructure the Fish and Game Commission uh, brought by Senator Mike Lang. What this bill ultimately does is uh, move the commission from five seats to seven seats. And then in addition to that, puts a caveat in the bill To make four of those seven seats landowners. Uh, That bill did pass out of committee and is headed to the Senate floor for first and second, or sorry, second and third reading this week. From a natural resources standpoint, uh, Senate Bill 302 was heard. That is in regards to extending authorization deadline for navigable navigable riverbeds. Uh, It was really just a change date, um, extending the date till 2025. We stood in support of that. It um, passed out of committee and is being heard in its second and third readings on the Senate floor as well. And then finally, uh, or not finally, SJ7, which was a Senate resolution, um, is in regards to removing Hidden Pasture Creek as a wilderness study area. Our organization actually adopted policy this last year during annual convention um, in support of this. And so it did pass out of committee and is moving on um, to the Senate floor for a vote this week as well. And then House Bill 554 um, is a bill that our organization has been working on. And we uh, partnered with Representative Josh Kassmeyer. This bill requires uh, the state to approve any national heritage area or national trail trail designation um, before it can kind of move into a federal designation. We had a great outpouring of support for this bill. We had over 12 organizations um, stand in support of it during the hearing, and that did pass out of the committee um, on Friday evening. It's headed to the uh, house floor um, this week for second and third reading. And we want to just tell you a little bit more about that. So if you tune in next week, we will be doing a deep dive into this bill and talking a little more about what that means for pri- private property rights in this state.
0: Great. Yeah, certainly a great bill. And like to thank Dana Darlington, our board member, for coming to town to testify also on that. We'll touch a little bit on finance and tax. So there was a, a few dealing with Senate finance and claims. We had Senate Bill 249. This looked at sage grouse funding uh, for the Sage Grouse Stewardship Act. And really what it did, it coordinated better funding between Department of uh, DNRC, Department of Natural Resources and Conservation and Fish, Wildlife and Parks. So this was a bill that we did stand in support of. Um, we also did support on the Senate tax side, House Bill 303. This was the revising the big the business equipment tax or the uh, Business Investment Grows Big Jobs Act. So uh, this was certainly a, a priority for the governor and it would um, increase that business equipment tax exemption. Uh, and so this was a bill that uh, we did support. Um, it's passed out of the out of the house and on to the Senate and also out of committee so this bill is moving along quite quickly uh, for water uh, we have uh, Senate bill 231. Uh, This dealt with revising exempt well laws related to family transfers and we did oppose this just based on the exempt well, we want to make sure that there's no real loopholes on these family transfers um, that would look like almost a minor subdivision. So. we did just uh, oppose it based on that. Uh, it did have amendments on, on it. And with those amendments, um, that did uh, take our opposition away. So it has passed the Senate and it will have its hearing in the House hereafter transmittal.
1: So as you've heard, there were quite a few bills that rolled out this last week. I would say that these were just the highlights. Uh, There were many, many more that we were tracking and watching uh, as they moved through committee hearings. Um, And so over the last couple weeks, as you've heard us kind of covering bills and talking about those, if you have any questions, always feel free to reach out to us. Um, We're more than happy to be a resource for you to answer any questions that you may have. If there's something that you're very passionate about as these bills move to the second chamber, again reach out we are more than happy to help set you up uh, virtually to testify on bills or if you have any interest in coming to Helena we would love to help in any way that we can
0: yeah and as we mentioned a lot of these bills this week are going to be up on the House floor and Senate floor and second and third reading so if you'd like any other updates on those or have questions please just once again give us a call anytime and we can walk through exactly where those are at
1: So now let's uh, dive into our interview for this week. Uh, We are excited to have the opportunity to uh, interview the new director of Department of Natural Resources and Conservation, Amanda Castor, and we hope that you enjoy getting to learn a little bit more about her and what her plans are um, in her new position at the agency.
0: Well, I'd like to welcome Amanda Castor. Amanda is the new director of the Department of Natural Resources and Conservation. So um, welcome, Amanda. Thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for inviting me. I appreciate it.
0: Well, first off, I'd like to just um, we're excited to have you uh, in Montana. So welcome to Montana. And we're excited also to have you as the new director of the Department of Natural Resources and Conservation. And we thought we might just kick this off with uh, having you just share a little bit about yourself and uh, for our listeners today.
2: Absolutely. So I was born and raised in a military family. So I grew up all over the place and I had the really amazing opportunity of being first introduced to Montana when I worked for then Congressman Ryan Zinke when he was elected to Congress. I was his energy and natural resources staffer there and got to spend quite a bit of time traveling across the state, getting to work with folks like yourselves and so many others across the state. And it was such a rewarding experience getting to to really tackle some important issues for the state of Montana. And then as you well know, uh, Congressman Zinke was then nominated to be the interior secretary. And so I was incredibly fortunate. He was able to bring uh, a few of us over with him. And so I actually got to start at interior before he was officially confirmed. So I was part of the team that helped to to set up and get the department running for when he would join as the secretary. So in that capacity, I was an advisor in the Office of Congressional and Legislative Affairs in the the secretary's office. And I handled Bureau of Land Management issues, Bureau of Reclamation, uh, and a couple other portfolios. And then in the summer of 2018, I was asked to go and serve in the Bureau of Land Management And within a month of being there was asked to be the acting chief of staff which was a role that i had for nearly two years before um it was may 2020 when then uh secretary bernhardt promoted me to be the acting deputy assistant secretary for land and minerals management at interior and uh, throughout that time both at the blm and when i was in the assistant secretary's office i i worked on all blm issues so i got to work on grazing and uh, timber management, oil and gas, just multiple use across the board for the BLM, which I had a lot of fun doing. We got to we got some really important things done. And then um, I had the opportunity, thanks to the governor, to come out and serve the people of Montana as the director of DNRC. And I'm just so happy to be in Montana. It is such an amazing place. And I've been able to work on energy and natural resources issues for about 10 years now, but to really be in the state again and reconnecting on all these important issues, it's just been an incredibly rewarding experience so far.
1: Well, we're happy to have you. Glad
0: you're here in
2: Montana.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and you mentioned former Congressman Zinke. So we just wanted to talk a little bit more about your time working with him. And you worked on a variety of issues, as you mentioned, within the natural resources space. But what are some specific projects you can share with our listeners that you worked on that impacted or were around Montana?
2: Absolutely. So My primary responsibility was to help the congressman with legislative proposals to tackle issues that were important to the state. So forest management was definitely a top priority for us. It was one of the the first bills that I got to work on in that capacity. And we helped get that bill actually passed on the floor. We were part of um, Congressman Westerman's 2015 uh, forest management effort. And we had a lot of fun working on those issues and um, another effort that I led for Congressman Zinke dealt with vegetation management within rights-of-way. We had seen that there had been some inconsistencies between federal agencies in terms of uh, electric utilities being able to go out and actually do work in rights-of-way to help reduce fire risk and address you know, hazardous trees. And we had some great hearings. We were able to get that bill um, on the floor. Uh, and then it actually ended up being included in the 2018 omnibus. So it was really exciting to see that hard work we did in 2015 and 2016 and having that come to a head um, while we were at Interior. And then uh, across the board, I worked on really ensuring that agencies like the Bureau of Land Management were following its multiple use mandate. And with that came some really interesting issues dealing with recreational access and grazing and I was able to support that congressman as we tackled some interesting grazing issues on federal lands, but uh, it just—it was really rewarding working for the congressman and getting to actually hear from people on the ground about what they needed, what what we could do to be helpful. And so, what I did is I worked to to push legislation to address those issues, and that even includes we helped uh, push a bill with rural water projects. We know that there's just such a need, especially well, across the state when it comes to water, but in Eastern Montana, especially. And so we helped push those proposals in house natural resources committee and working you know, with our Senate partners to try and get those things moving. So I had a lot of fun working. I think it was one of the coolest jobs I got to do just because it was so hands-on. And so it's, being, it's like being a DNRC now, getting actually to really be hands-on and tackle tough issues. It's, it's a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, and our from our perspective, having folks, you know, our listeners being, you know, public lands grazers, it's great to have kind of someone with that your experience and a champion of multiple use and public land grazing um, in your in
2: your seats. I do think grazing is so important. Yeah, oh go ahead. Sorry.
0: No, certainly it is. And and we would uh, with just I think almost two-thirds of our state in in ranch land we certainly recognize the importance of grazing and we have a 30% of that is federal lands and also the importance and the value that that brings to our ranchers in Montana. So yeah, we very much appreciate your efforts on that front at the national level. Kind of bringing down to the state level, uh, I think just for our listeners, I think it uh, it was important to point out that each um, director position has to go through a Senate confirmation hearing. At your Senate confirmation hearing, you talked about the priority of DNRC and being at uh, more active in forest management. And I was wondering if you could maybe share with our listeners how you kind of see the agency moving forward on, on that front.
2: Definitely. So for me, active management, and I know the, the governor laid this out in his Montana comeback plan, and then in his state of the state, but active management means bringing more federal acres under treatments to prevent catastrophic wildfires. And by doing that, it improves watersheds, brings back important habitat. It creates jobs for our timber industry. So I had the benefit coming from DC, seeing the creation of the Good Neighbor Authority and its application. It's a really great tool and coming to DNRC, I've seen how they've been able to really take it. And they've been quite successful in its application For me, I wanna take that success they've achieved to date and expand that. And in my mind, that means not only using good neighbor authority, but also the other tools in the toolbox that Congress has given federal agencies, but also the abilities that we have in the DNRC to help be that collaborative partner. And so coming from the BLM, I was able to see really cool techniques to fight fire, like targeted grazing, and the creation of fuel breaks, being really thoughtful about prescribed burns, and so I want to use every tool in the toolbox to help us mitigate that fire risk. And it's, for me, it's not just active management of our forests; it's also of our, our rangelands too, and that's an important part of our state. And so, what's neat coming into DNRC is that they've been really thoughtful in this space. They did the um, Forest Action Plan, and we're able to take a collaborative group to tackle these issues and. Uh, I think that there's just a lot of momentum in this space and a lot of creativity, and we have tools available. We should use all the tools that we have to really meaningfully address this issue.
0: Great. Yeah, and we would agree 100%. it's important to actively manage these acres. And and really, even when it comes to forest management, those have huge impacts to to our industry and the livestock, not only for those that uh, graze on those lands, but maybe those that border those lands and uh, any opportunity to reduce some of those catastrophic fires. um, We're certainly going to be looking at supporting that. And, and so we're, yeah, we'd like to build on the great momentum that we have with the good neighbor authority and, Yeah, we certainly are going to be there to support you in those efforts.
2: Well, I appreciate it. I think the grazing community plays such a pivotal role here in this space, and I got to see that firsthand working for the BLM. And, you know, I want to make sure that we're bringing in all of our partners to tackle these tough issues and farmers and ranchers. They get this issue since they know the land.
1: Well, Director Castor, it wouldn't be an interview with us if we didn't talk about the legislature, which is top of mind for so many people right now. So uh, we know that your agency is involved with a variety of bills that are being heard up there um, at the Capitol right now. But from an agency's perspective, what can you share with us on maybe some bills that you guys are looking at or, or that you think are going to positively benefit our listeners?
2: Sure. And so, you know, being new in this capacity, it's been so much fun to learn the legislative process here in the state of Montana and it, the, the fast pace, all of the really interesting ideas. There's just, there's so much excitement in this space. So I'm been really thrilled to learn so much in my time here so far. And one bill I figured I'd highlight is Senate Bill 63, which is Senator Ankney's bill that would establish Wind and solar development ground leases for state trust lands, and um, I found this bill to be really interesting. And I think it solves a an, an issue. And coming from the federal government, you know, working for the BLM that has a multiple use mandate, and now coming into this capacity and learning all about state trust lands, was really interesting to learn that if we issue a wind or a solar resource lease, that that impacts the agricultural lease. And can also, you know, further impact other uses on the land. And so, in that capacity, that means an agricultural lease is canceled and then it's reissued as a land use license, which we know is not as desirable for ag and grazing customers. So this bill would help facilitate the retention of acres to be continue to be used as an agricultural lease, while also allowing for wind and solar leasing to occur. And so it's one of those things where you were able to kind of bring multiple use in this capacity and also support our ag and grazing customers. And so um, this is, I think, one example of many that I'm really excited to work on at DNRC in terms of cutting red tape, creating efficiency. And so uh, that, like I said, that's just one of many, but I just thought it was really interesting. And I think it will allow DNRC to to support our important ag and grazing lease lessees.
1: Yeah, we really appreciate yeah, we, that bill as well, um, and our organization stood in support of it um, during its hearings.
0: Yeah, and also I think it's important to point out that we we do anticipate, and you've probably have already seen just those more applications for these types of. Um, potential permits for wind or solar. And so we know that that isn't going to be increasing and that has potential to impact more of us. So yeah, we certainly supported that bill and think that's a a great move in the right direction. Uh, You did kind of mention the the red tape task force and under the governor Gianforte and his executive order of looking at that and looking at identifying maybe uh, excessive or outdated regulation and Maybe you could share with us just how your agency is looking at implementing that process.
2: Definitely, and what I'd say too, is that it's not just uh, us looking inside. Uh, we really wanna work with our partners like you all who work with DNRC every day. And you know, you might have ideas for how we can make the process more efficient, how to make your lives easier. We wanna hear that. I think this is, I, uh, I really, coming from the federal side and having been involved with regulatory reform, it's exciting and it's such an opportunity. And I got to see how we created efficiencies that ultimately then the end of the day meant jobs. It meant fostering economic development. It meant protecting livelihoods. And so uh, what I'm excited to do is, you know, my team is looking across the board, across divisions. What are those regulations that we don't need? Are there ones where we can um, make some strategic revisions so that they can be more helpful to our customers. And then, you know, as part of that too, I, I've asked my, my folks to, to meet with groups from stakeholders across the board to get input. And I'm excited to see what the result of that looks like. But I think we, we have such an opportunity here to take a, a fresh look at how we've done business. And for me, I just think it's, you know, DNRC while we manage resources, people rely on us every single day. And so I really wanna help take the agency and ensure that we're providing for our customers and that's our farmers, our ranchers, it's people who wanna recreate on state trust lands. So I'm excited and I'm really committed to this. And so if you have ideas, I would love to hear them. And I know, I think there'll be a broader effort from the governor's office to to help facilitate additional opportunities. But for me running DNRC, I want to hear these ideas. I'm open to them. So feel free to contact me. I'd love to hear how we can do business better.
0: Great. And, and it was really just, a, I think, a pleasure on our behalf of, you know, just within a few days of you getting into the office and uh, you sent us an invite to go and sit down and visit with you a lot about this regulations or what's working or what's not working or how can we make improvements and certainly i think that's just a a a good forecast of what um, we have to look forward to so we very much appreciate it and um, we do have a couple of meetings during the year and so we'd love you to have you join us when uh, um, either for our summer meeting or annual convention so um and you'll get to know a little bit more about our organization
2: that would be great i would love to do that
1: So we know that you've only been in your position for a couple months. So we're asking kind of a tough question here, but we would love to hear from you a little more about what the future of DNRC looks like and what your vision is for the agency.
2: Absolutely. So I've touched on active management. I think that's a really key part of my vision moving forward. And then regulatory reform is instrumental as well but another key prong for me at running the DNRC is enhanced customer service. And that does tie into regulatory reform to a degree, but I think as I noted, I really I truly appreciate that our you know the DNRC mandate, but how that impacts the lives of Montanans. And so I want to find ways to improve how we serve the public. So that means creating those efficiencies, enhancing our customer service, so that we can have, we can streamline things and make it easier for you and your members to get what they need. And so, I've been working with my my team here at DNRC to assess strategies for improving how we deliver our services, looking at ways to maybe um, create some efficiencies in how we do permitting, how how we mail out our bills to our customers. I also think we can work on our website and how we share our story about DNRC. And given that folks really rely on web platforms, I think there's a real opportunity to to make the DNRC website a space that's really useful, that people can turn to it if they have questions and we can help respond as quickly as we can to the needs that they have. Um, And I think it'll it'll be really important to me to engage with stakeholders like yourselves as we tackle enhanced customer service and truly understand what your needs are and how we how we play a role in that process. And I'd say overarchingly, what I want to what I'm striving to do here at DNRC is to be a collaborative partner, a transparent partner. And I my door is open. I want to meet with folks, be engaged on these really critical issues. And I I believe in collaboration and working together to get things done, that's been really one of the hallmarks of my career. And I really want to take that to the next level here at DNRC. And I, there's good work that goes on. And I'd love to find a way to also highlight those those stories of how we've collaborated well with, with our stakeholders, how we've worked together to get things done. And so I have a, I have a lot of work to do, but I am just so excited. It's quite an amazing opportunity. And it just what it's such an important agency here in this state and so I think it's incumbent on me to be forthcoming and you know I'm available I'm happy to answer questions hear out folks if they have issues and I, I want to help get things done.
0: Well, Director Castor, I would once again, I'd like to thank you. Uh, that's exciting news to kind of look at your vision for the DNRC and certainly improving customer relations, I think, uh, is a great benefit to all of our stakeholders and all of our members because we are large users of state lands and they are very important to our operations and um, And any opportunity to look at um, potential making some of the regulations or the permitting when it comes to even on the water side, um, that has huge impacts to our, our water users and water right holders. So uh, we're excited for that. I, I know that we have transmittal dates working and, and you have a lot on your plate. So once again, I'd like to just thank you very much for joining us today. And once again, we're always here to provide assistance to you and we look forward to working with you um, as the new director of DNRC.
2: Well, thank you so much again for this opportunity, and I'm really excited to work with you all. So uh, I look forward to meeting in the future.
0: Well, we'd like to thank Director Amanda Caster for joining us today. Certainly has a, a broad interest in, in a lot of natural resources, and, and we look forward to partnering with her and DNRC as we move forward. We also uh, hopefully will have her um, at one of our mid-year or actually convention. Um, We've put that on a radar so um, i'm sure that she'll be willing to join us and in, in get introduced to a lot of our members out there
1: yeah it's really exciting to hear her uh, depth of experience as related to multiple use as well as forest management so really excited to have her um, in the state so with that, uh, we will wrap it up for this week. But we just wanted to, again, thank you for joining. Uh, remind you to make sure to subscribe to The Rancher's Voice. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. And make sure to always like, comment, and share our episodes. Again, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at k e n i at mtb.org. And thanks for listening.
0: Thanks, everybody.